Oh, gracious Lord, we do declare that it is a happy it, it, it was a happy day when you washed all of our sins away, dear God, because in washing away our sins, you allowed us to come before your holy and righteous presence. You allowed us to enter into the, uh, into the, uh, the secret places. You, you allowed us to enter in into the holy of holies, experience your power and your presence like no other time before. We thank you for Christ Jesus who laid down his life, who was hung high and stretched wide, that our sins would be forgiven, uh, put in the tomb, never to be seen anymore. Father, your word declares, as far as the east is from the west, so our sin has been removed from your presence. Lord, for those who have trusted in Christ for salvation, you have done an amazing and marvelous thing according to your riches and grace through Christ Jesus. And Father, as we gather this morning to worship you, ha, ah, Lord, we just, we just didn't show up to worship. We, we didn't just show up to just to lift holy hands just because. We didn't show up just to, uh, to, to open our, our Bibles just because. We didn't, we didn't gather together as the, the church at Forest just because, but we gathered together to worship you. And right now, oh God, I pray that you would have mercy, have mercy, and have your way. Please draw our hearts near to you, to your truths. Father, please bestow upon us supernatural understanding that we would abide in Christ Jesus in marvelous new ways that would produce within us a fruit and a harvest, as your word declares, some 100-fold, some 60-fold, some 30-fold. Even right now, oh God, we stand in the gap for the ones in need of prayer, oh Lord. We lift up the families who are dealing with bereavement, the loss of loved ones. Lord, we're standing in the gap for the ones who are experiencing sickness in their bodies. We're standing in the gap for the ones who are experiencing economic hardship. Lord, we're standing in the gap for the ones who are in mental despair and depression. Lord, we're standing in the gap for the one who is uh, battling fear, battling trepidation in this world, battling tribulation and persecution. Lord, we're standing in the gap for those in need of prayer this day, dear God. Please help us. Please have mercy upon us this day, O oh God. Please have mercy upon me that your word would come forth with supernatural power, clarity, insight, and understanding and discernment as we seek to be faithful to King Jesus. Lord, you are our master. Please help and have your way today. In the precious and mighty and matchless and marvelous name of Jesus, the Christ who loved us with an everlasting love. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Indeed, family, once again, it is so good to be with you as we have gathered for worship at this church gathered at Forest Baptist.
and uh, again, just a deep sense of gratitude for everyone who participated this month. Uh, but I will have to say a special, special thank you to our First Lady, Sister Red, who coordinated everything. And the Lord placed upon our hearts a vision for how we can celebrate God's faithfulness to us as a people, that he would be honored and he would be glorified. So I thank you, honey, for how you have led us in this. Well, this morning, let us go ahead and dig into God's word. And we are in Matthew, the 13th chapter. Matthew, the 13th chapter, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 23 this morning. Matthew, the 13th chapter. Uh, so on your uh, device or uh, opening up your Bibles, if you would, please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word this morning. Matthew, Matthew the 13th chapter, verses 1 through 23. This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word, of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what, what, what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. 
As for what was sown among the, the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, another sixty, and in another thirty. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning here in the 13th chapter of Matthew. Uh, we are uh, in the midst of the secret of the sowers, seed, soil, and salvation. The secrets of the sower, seed, soil, and salvation. When, thi- when I think about secrets, there are times where uh, I'm reminded about my times during doing overseas mission trips. And in conversation, whenever the question comes up as to where in the states are you from, when I say Kentucky, it never fails. The first thing that comes to their mind is what you do think? Kentucky Fried Chicken. That's the first thing that comes to their mind. And uh, that is because Kentucky Fried Chicken is just like worldwide. It is everywhere. It, it has permeated the culture of places so far outside of America. And when they begin to talk about uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, they say the, uh, the, lo- the, 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 the key phrase, it's 11, the secret recipe uh, of 11 herbs and spices. You know, being in Kentucky, legend has it that uh, the secret recipe is locked up here in Kentucky at the KFC headquarters. The secret is held so closely that as they prepare to package and send the seasoning out, one company is responsible for the first half of the seasoning. And and then from there is shipped to another company that takes what they receive and adds their portion of the seasoning in order that one company can't say that they know the entire recipe. It's, it's just that secret. It's held that close. Only a very small number of the company's highest executives know the secret formula. This is a closely held secret And it's not for everyone to know. That's the key. Because think about even in your own life, there are some secrets that you have that it is not for everyone to know. Those secrets where uh, you, you, you don't blast them out loud, you don't even put them online, even as much information as you put online, like, like where's the shame? But, but there are even some things that you won't put online that only your closest confidants, only those in your inner, inner, inner circle knows about those secrets because it's not for everyone to know. And you will only disclose those things to a certain amount of people. You know, similarly, the scripture reminds us that when it comes to the Lord, there are many things that we don't fully know either. Deuteronomy 29, 29 is one key verse that comes to my mind. And it simply says the secret things belong to the Lord our God. 
Jeremiah 33 and 3 says, call to me and I will answer you. And watch this. And 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 will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. There are so many things that God is doing that God is, is, is making happen behind the scenes that we just don't know. And had it not been for God's grace and his mercy, he, uh, we would not even know what his plans for Christ Jesus were had he not revealed those things to us through his scripture. So those secret things of the Lord, we can only know those things if the Lord so graciously chooses to reveal those things to us. And as we've encountered the 13th chapter of Matthew's gospel, we see Jesus is revealing the secrets of the kingdom to come to some, but not to others. It's gotten to that point in this ministry. And through the use of parables, what Jesus does is he creates a distinction of understanding between the crowd and between the disciples. Not everybody is going to understand what he is saying now, and, and that lack of understanding or the ability to understand will reveal what side you're really on. Are, are you just a part of the crowd, part of the people who are seeking Jesus because they just want to experience a miracle? Uh, they, they are following Jesus because everybody else is following Jesus right now. They, they have no sense of intimacy in relationship with Jesus, but he's just the brand new thing around, so they're following him. They're, they're part of the crowd. Or are you one of his disciples? Even as he goes into a boat it, it to teach, are you just those on the shore or are you in the boat with him? Is he able just to turn around and to elaborate and reveal to you what his word is declaring? Have you been set apart as one of his disciples? See, the context of this, thir this 13th chapter of Matthew's gospel, uh, this begins Jesus' his third major discourse. Now, remember, Jesus uh, gave his first major discourse on the Sermon on the Mount and his second one uh, as he prepared to send out the disciples and he was preparing them for what they would encounter persecution. But this is the third major discourse, the third major teaching of Jesus is found in this chapter. And Jesus has already been pushing back against the scribes and the Pharisees and that religious establishment because no matter what he did, they were committed that they would not believe him. Under no circumstance would they recognize Jesus as Messiah. And here, in this 13th chapter, what Jesus does is he begins to teach in a way that further alienates the believers from his deniers. So instead of the chasm being drawn closer, now the chasm begins to open wider as Jesus is preaching and teaching through these parables. These parables of Jesus, they, they further illuminate truth to his disciples, but then they further 
dull those who are just part of the crowd. So, beloved, even as we're looking at this text this morning, one thing I, I, I just want you to hold before you right now is be honest with yourself. Would you consider yourself to be part of the crowd? Or are you one of Jesus's disciples? And the reason being is that's the big idea of this text. The secrets of salvation are revealed to those whose hearts have been ready to receive Jesus. That's the big idea. The secrets of salvation are revealed to those whose hearts have been ready to receive Jesus. In other words, simply, readied hearts receive Jesus. And when we look at this text here, the hermeneutical keys, the, the points that will help us in our interpretation of everything that's going on are found in verses 3 and verses 10. Look here with me in verse 3. This is Jesus speaking, and he said, and he told them many things in parables. But then in verse 10, we see his disciples respond. Then the disciples came and said to him, why do, you, why do you speak to them in parables? The key to understanding what's going on now is the fact that Jesus is utilizing this literary, this, this narrative uh, method of communicating to them, to them his truth, this, this message of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus begins to teach them in what is called parables. Now, uh, the common understanding of a parable is simply an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. To further elaborate on that definition, I would say a, a parable is a practical story that illustrates a spiritual truth. It's a, a story that everyone uh, in that particular context could understand and could recognize and th but 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 that practical story illustrates something that they're that they're missing in, in, in the physical realm. It communicates a spiritual truth. But the thing about parables is that the true meaning of a parable is not right there on the surface for you to to grasp or understand. But the the purpose of a parable is to force you to to to, to meditate, to chew upon Jesus's words and to look deeper into his specific meaning. And, 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 and what would take place is as they're thinking about the specific meaning, again, those who belong to Jesus would have a light bulb moment and understand. But those who were just part of the crowd would remain in darkness. And that is the reason why Jesus speaks in parables. Jesus speaks in parables now as a way of weeding out his disciples from the crowd. It is Jesus' way of testing their spiritual ears. Because in parables, Jesus was revealing truth to those who believed, but in parables, Jesus was concealing truth from those who denied him. The parables would cause a listener to make a decision about the kingdom of God. So that, that was the entire purpose. When, when, when they would hear a parable, they would need to make a decision. 
am I going to believe Jesus and obey Jesus, or am I just going to kind of let this moment pass? And beloved, as Jesus is speaking to us as a congregation this morning, I pray, I pray, wake up on the couch. Get up and pay attention. Don't be slumped over. Hear what Jesus is saying this morning because what he is communicating is a matter of life and death. Will you belong to Jesus for eternity or will you disregard him and be cast from his presence in hell? For all eternity. Look here in verses 10 through 16, what Jesus begins to talk about. He says to them, uh, when asked, why do you speak in parables? He says, because to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom. But to them, it has not been given. For to the one who has more will be given and he will have an abundance. What Jesus is saying is for the person who understands me, when I speak in parables, your, 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 your spiritual maturity will continue to increase and, and continue to grow. For those who, who hear me, your, your cup will begin to overflow with the goodness of this word that I'm teaching. But then he says, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. What Jesus is saying, for those who, who don't understand, who don't hear, because they, 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 they have denied him, he's saying even, even the goodness that, uh, that they experience because of his presence is going to be taken away. And they will be cast further and further away from his presence. Verse 13, he says, this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. What 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 happens when Jesus is speaking in parables to those who are just part of the crowd, those who are denying him, is that the words of Jesus just become like background music. You you know how when 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 you're studying, like when I study, I love to have uh, so just some background music, no, nothing that's going to cause me to stop and, and listen and particularly sing along. But it's kind of like going to a, a cafe or going to like Starbucks or something and studying. You have the, the background noise that kind of it's an ambiance that 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 encourages you to study. But but what Jesus is saying is he is teaching in a way that his words would just become like background music. And they won't pay attention. Beloved, what that has significant implications for us. Because Sunday after Sunday, prior to the pandemic, we would come and gather. And Sunday after Sunday, we, we gather in our homes right now. And the word of God is being preached and the word of God is being taught. And some of us are on the edge of our seats listening to to hear what thus says the Lord, but then some of us are just sitting there and the word of God is just like background music. Lord, have mercy. Have mercy for those who seeing but do not see. Father, have mercy on those who are hearing but do not hear. And have mercy on those who don't understand. And he goes on in verse 14, indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. 
and with their eyes they can barely, with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Jesus is saying, he's pointing back to Isaiah, the sixth chapter. And he's talking about when God calls Isaiah to go and preach here. And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. But then the next verse, he says, I'm going to send you out. And you're going to preach a word. That's what it calls them to see. But not see. And you're going to preach a word that's going to cause them to hear, but not hear. Because if they actually heard, if they actually seen, their hearts would be turned and and I would heal them. Verse 16. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. He's talking to his disciples now. Blessed are you, though, because everything I'm saying in these parables, you you understand. You you have been given grace. You have been given sight. You have been give, given hearing, and you understand. Blessed are you that you can comprehend my words. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. There were so many Old Testament prophets. Now, he's not saying in the sense that they did not believe so they weren't saved. But what he is is saying is that, that those disciples in that moment had the extraordinary privilege of seeing the very Messiah face to face. And uh, the, the very person that all of those Old Testament saints were waiting to hear from, now they are specifically seeing and hearing from the Messiah. And they are blessed. What these parables do is they show this intersection of divine sovereignty and human responsibility. Because Jesus says himself, and this is his divine sovereignty, he says, uh, to you it has been given to no secrets. Just, just as you have those secrets and you have chosen whom you will share those secrets with, Jesus is saying God has only chosen some to share these secrets with. He shared the secrets of the kingdom with some, but he has not shared them with all. That is God's divine sovereignty at work. But yet we see here in verse 15, for this people's heart has grown dull because of their disobedience, because of their lack of response, because of at the uh, uh, at, at the mounting evidence and all of the proof, they still have chosen to deny who Jesus is. Their hearts have grown dull. And now they will be cast away. That is that is your personal responsibility. So these parables show us that tension between divine sovereignty and human responsibility. Because Jesus has appointed some to be given the secrets of the kingdom of heaven and and some have not been appointed. But these parables, they just they expose this distinction. That some belong to Jesus and some do not. So let's look specifically at this parable of the sower. And in verses three through nine, and uh, Jesus tells the parable. But then watch this. He comes to his disciples. Right. Those who are close, those who are following him, those who are obeying them. And he reveals the secrets of the kingdom 
and in verses 18 through 23, he gives them a breakdown. So like, so for me as a pastor, I love this because I don't have to interpret anything because Jesus has already given us the interpretation. I just need to, to, to put it on a plate and, and to serve it up this morning. So what does Jesus say? Well aware that in Israel they have this agrarian lifestyle, this farming type lifestyle. Jesus uses the analogy of a farmer who is going out to seed their fields. So imagine with me, just close your eyes for a moment and imagine a large field. Some of you may have grown up on a farm. Think back to the farm or, or think back to, to the, the movies and, and think back of the rows and the rows of, of, of corn or wheat or, 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 or things that are growing. Think back to all the work that it took and, and think back to the moment before the harvest had come, before the fruit had come up. Think about the, the work of the, the, of the farmer sowing the seeds. Sowing, planting, taking the seed, the actual grain, and putting it in the ground. Walking row by row, by hand, throwing out the seed. And what Jesus is doing in this parable is helping his people understand the depth of what he has accomplished and why some are rejecting him. In this parable, Jesus is the main sower, but yet anyone who is preaching the gospel is one who is sowing. And the seed that is being sown is the message of the kingdom of repentance from sin and faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's the message of the kingdom. That is what is being uh, uh, sown. That is the seed. But but notice Jesus is the sower, the message of the kingdom is the seed, but individual hearts are the various types of soil. And as the sower sows, the seed encounters four different types of soil. And firstly, we see that the secrets of salvation are not received by hard hearts. Jesus says uh, uh, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. And then Jesus interprets this, and, and he says that uh, for the seed that fell along the path, what it is is that uh, when, the, when, when, the, when the word of God is preaching, the person uh, doesn't comprehend, doesn't understand, doesn't appropriate, doesn't uh, take that word and apply it to their life. Uh, uh, it, 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 the seed has nowhere to go, and, and Satan just comes along and he takes that word. So the very thing that could bring forth life in that seed, the message of the gospel is what brings forth spiritual life. That the, the means of life is snatched away because of their hard heart. The seed doesn't grow because the, their heart, the soil of their heart has been trampled down so tough that the seed cannot penetrate in order to bring forth life. When I was thinking about uh, uh, what this may look like, I, I began to think back to when I was a, 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 a kid and, and we would play uh, on the dirt court. Y'all remember what the dirt court was? 
It was, it was in the middle of a field. You would put up a, a crate or something to shoot the ball into, but uh, it became the dirt court because everybody would trample on the ground and trample on the grass so much that the grass would die and, and nothing could live there, and that soft soil became hard to the point where we were able to dribble on top of it and, and play basketball. And, and what Jesus is saying is that there, that there are folks who can't receive this life saving message of the gospel because the soil of their heart has been so trampled down that it can't take any root. These are those folks who saying, I ain't trying to hear all that God stuff. These are those people who say, uh, if, if God is so good, then why? Not in a sense of wrestling with their faith, but in the sense of accusation that if X happened, that must mean God is not real or not good. These are the people that say only weak-minded people need religion. The secrets of salvation are not received by hard hearts, but then secondly, the secrets of salvation are not received by shallow hearts. Shallow hearts. Jesus says, other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. And Jesus interprets that. He says that what the, the, the seed that falls on rocky ground is the person who hears the life-giving message of salvation and, 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 and it, it, it sparks about a, a joy in them, and they, they, they seem to receive it, uh, and, and they seem to begin to live a, a Christian life, but because the, the, the soil is so, uh, is, is so small, there is, there is no depth because the soil of their heart is so shallow that as soon as, as any uh, uh, tribulation, any persecution, any hard days come, they're like, I'm out, Jesus. That's because the seed cannot go deeply into the soil and find water for its roots. Why doesn't the seed grow in shallow hearts? It's because people are expecting Jesus just to be a genie. People are expecting Jesus to just bless them with prosperity. People are uh, only see Jesus as a means to an end. And when Jesus do doesn't live up to their expectations, they're done. We see this in those times where we, we're talking to one another and we say, you know what, whatever happened to Or maybe we've heard someone say, you know, this this ain't for me anymore. Or maybe we've heard things like, you know what, I tried Jesus, but he just didn't work. Those are shallow hearts. The secrets of salvation are not, not received by shallow hearts. But then thirdly, the secrets of salvation are not received by preoccupied hearts. Preoccupied hearts. Jesus says other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. And as he interprets it, he says that seed that fell amongst the thorns 
uh, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and prove unfruitful. So what Jesus is saying is the reason why seed doesn't grow on this uh, thorny ground is because the, the soil, uh, the person's heart is preoccupied with everything else but Jesus. They're more concerned about their jobs than Jesus. They're more concerned about their uh, boyfriend than Jesus. They're more concerned about their girlfriend. They're more concerned about uh, uh, their economic situation. They're more concerned about getting that nice new house. They're more concerned about what this world has to offer. They're more concerned about what people are saying about them on Facebook. They're more concerned about what people are saying about them on Twitter. They're more concerned about their own glory than Jesus. They're, they're the deceitfulness of riches, the the idea that money can buy your happiness or money will give you the influence, that money is the means to an end. That's the heart of one that's preoccupied. This is the person who says, I just got too much going on right now to show up. This is the person who says, you know, I, I just don't have time to study and, and to pray and to spend time with God. I, I, I got too much to do. Their heart is preoccupied. And the secrets of salvation are not received by a preoccupied heart. But there's a fourth place. And the secrets of salvation are received by receptive hearts. Because Jesus says, other seed fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty, he who has ears, let him hear. Whenever Jesus is giving you something that he, he wants you to go deeper, he says, he who has ears, let him hear. And then Jesus simply interprets this, and he says that, uh, and what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. Again, this understand is not just a, a mental, like, like I understand two plus two equals four. It's, it's this I, I comprehend and now I want to appropriate and I want to apply this to my life. Now, I, I want some of this Jesus. It says he indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another case 60, in another 30. Why do the seed take root on this soil here? Beloved, at the end of the day, the reason why is because of grace. Because of grace, because the Lord has opened up their eyes and because the Lord has opened up their ears and the Lord has opened up their hearts. And because of grace, because of his mercy, because of God's benevolence and his kindness, this, the seed of the message of the kingdom, that life-giving seed is sown into a formerly hard heart and that seed takes root and brings forth life. And this life is evident in the outward change that comes from this inward transformation. Now their life bears fruit at, 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 at which it previously did not. And then what I like about how Jesus closes the text, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty, he's saying all y'all ain't going to bear the same kind of fruit. 
so don't get caught up in the amount of fruit that you're bearing, but just bear some fruit. He, he's saying don't, don't try to be like them. Don't try to be like uh, those who, who used to sit down the pew from you. He says, just be who I called you to be because that's more than enough. Beloved, what we have here is this understanding that a heart readied to receive Jesus has been massaged by grace. It's all of God. It's all of God. So as we're looking at these different types of soils being taught in this parable, we, we see that good soil is the only soil that bears fruit. So this is not like uh, all those other soils, like they're, they're carnal Christians or they've you know, they, they, they were saved and now they're just kind of in the wilderness. No, what Jesus is saying is that there's only one type of soil that has been saved, and that is the soil that bears fruit. So it's not like uh, uh, we, we, we can say if, if a person leaves us and is in the world and, and, and has no care of Jesus, we, it's like what, 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 what fruit are they bearing? Are they just part of the crowd or are they one of Jesus' disciples? There is no in-between. The, the, the differences before the four soils really is not four different things. It's two. Either the soil bore fruit or the soil did not. Same seed, different results. And what this parable does for us this morning, this parable from Jesus causes us to examine ourselves. It causes us to, to examine how receptive has your heart been to Jesus? How receptive has your heart been to Jesus? What, what soil represents your heart today? Now, I purposely put that today because many times we talk about how we was saved, uh, how things used to be. But what Jesus wants us to know and he wants us to think about is where are you at today? Don't don't keep talking about me of how you used to serve in the church. Where are you today? Has the gospel actually taken root in your heart and produced spiritual What spiritual fruit are you bearing today? So this parable from Jesus causes us to examine ourselves, but then this parable from Jesus also causes us to ask the question, if I'm not bearing fruit, how do I cultivate good soil in order to bear good fruit? And when we look at the text, One of the ways that we cultivate a heart that is ready to receive the fruit of Christ, the seed of Christ, is to simply ask him, Lord, help me to love you. Lord, help me to come out of the crowd and to be one of your disciples. Lord, please forgive me for living for my for my own desires, my own cares. Please help me. To live for Christ. See, that's a posture of humility, a posture that is surrendered. 
this is not this is not the heart of, of the person that says you can't tell me nothing. I'm just going to live my best life right now. Now, this is the hardest. I'm going to live a yielded life right now. That is the parable that this uh, that Jesus. This is the question that this parable causes us to ask. But then also this parable from Jesus also causes us to be encouraged because we see two things. We see God's grace at work. It, Jesus says, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. And he says to you, it has been given to know. So, so be encouraged that if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, if the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin, if, if you want to draw near to the blood of Jesus, uh, uh, take heart because you belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and that is nothing but grace at work in your own life. And be encouraged to see God's hand of blessing, the fact that he is cultivating an environment around you in order for you to grow. Beloved, when we wrap up and leave for today, we should leave concerned. We should be concerned about all those people we know or even ourselves who have made a profession of faith that says we were saved at one time, but now. We, we should be concerned because that person is, is demonstrating a hard heart, a shallow heart, or a preoccupied heart. And none of those hearts bear fruit. And none of those hearts are indicative of one who has become a disciple of Jesus. We should leave concerned. But then we should also leave comforted. Because if the gospel of Jesus Christ has taken root in your life, then you will be bearing fruit for the kingdom. You know, in Mark, the 11th chapter, Jesus is walking into Jerusalem with his disciples. And he goes to get some some fruit from the fig tree, but there's no fruit being born on that tree. And, 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 and Jesus curses it. And they're on the way out. The disciples see that same fig tree and it is all shriveled and withered up it's dead and they say look jesus this is the this is the tree that you cursed beloved that that is a living parable for the fact that if people cannot take fruit from your life if 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 you're not fruitful then there's no purpose for you in the kingdom and it's a demonstration that you don't belong to Jesus. What spiritual fruit do you bear today? But what's so, um, what's so crazy is the fact that uh, what makes grace so amazing is that Jesus would step in even when we are bearing no fruit, even when our heart is hard, even when our heart is shallow, even when our hearts have been preoccupied, the grace of Jesus is so amazing that he's able to come and crush our little hard hearts and to give us a heart of flesh and good soil through his power. So, beloved, even today, though your heart may have been hard in the past, ask Jesus to soften your heart that you would receive the message of the kingdom today 
through repentance of sin, repentance from sin and faith in Jesus Christ. Beloved, that is how we are saved, by grace through faith. For the secrets of salvation are revealed to those whose hearts have been readied to receive the gift. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you for your amazing faithfulness to sinners such as ourselves. That even when we had hard hearts, even when we had shallow and preoccupied hearts, you made a way because of grace. So, Father, thank you for your amazing grace that has saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found blind, but now I see. Thank you, O Lord, for how you have revealed your truth to us, and this glorious good news of the gospel is no longer a secret, but you have revealed it to us through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that someone would accept your son today, draw hearts unto you through repentance and faith. Thank you, Jesus, in advance. For your glory and namesake, we pray. 